You're listening to The Tuesday Club with Sean and Kyle. Tuesday Club coming to you from this fantastic studio in Buffoon Media. Big thanks to Adam. Adam and more, thank you very much. Yeah, awesome uh, kit. You can't say anything back because he haven't got a mic, unfortunately. We took it off him. It's great sound, isn't it? Brilliant. Yeah, so here we are. Obviously, keeping in Port Talbot and uh, still uh, with our partners, the Brit Pub up in Carmarthen, which uh, we frequented on Saturday. Uh, you're a bit lowly this uh, this week, Kyle, because of the result. Yeah, it's a bit... Um it's always a big thing when you lose when you're watching and as a Welsh fan, but it just stings a little bit more when you mm. lose against England. Good atmosphere in the Brit though, wasn't it? It was brilliant. It's for me, you know, uh, my father, you as well, people used to go on all these tours in the 70s and the 80s and it was really massive communities who would travel up on buses and all that. And when I went there on Saturday, it was a great atmosphere. I'd been before a couple of years ago with you to watch a game, shot off after the game. But I stayed, and even though Wales lost, in the end we didn't lose by much. We could have won if we had a couple more minutes, I think. But seeing all the old boys in the evening sat in the corner around the old fire and singing Canon Lan and all mm. the rugby songs, it was brilliant. It was really, really nice. Yeah, I spent a lot of time in the back room, and um, Max Boyce turned up, didn't he? <laughs> um, no, Max Boyce. Um, yeah, no. A- I... AKA Kyle Reese. <laughs> Well, saying that, after I did that uh, World Cup song, I think a lot of people are calling out for a new Max Boyce, so maybe we're on to some member there. Yeah, you were in song, full song. Yeah, well, I know know Live at Triarchy pretty much off by art because my dad used to listen to it, my brother used to listen to it. Um, I went to uh, the events room uh, before the uh, French game up in the Radisson Hotel in Cardiff, and uh, it's a funny story. They would do an auction, they'd raise money for different charities all the time, and... um, a couple of years ago, when I went with yourself and Simon Bridham to a golf day, um, I was uh, bidding for a Welsh rugby ball signed by a Grand Slam team. I think it was 2012 team, maybe. And uh, I lost the bid, but the guy who won it, James Principality, James Harper. James Harper, he was very kind. He could see how much I wanted it. And he came over and he actually gifted it to me, gave it to me. So I've had that for a couple of years. But they brought out, uh, before the French game, uh, a Warren Gatland, same ball, but he was signed by Warren Gatland. And Amy was like, my, my girlfriend, fiance, you got to get that because you'll have a match in set. He was coaching. Um, I was like, what's my limit? You're 500 pounds. I went, 500 pounds for a rugby ball with Warren? She went, yeah, go on. I love Warren Gatland. Great. So we went up to about 300 pounds and I was like, do you know what? I'm not going to pay that much for a rugby ball with one signature. And then uh, they brought out this beautifully framed um, original live triarchy vinyl with the cover next to it with Max Boyce's signature. Now, for me, that was brilliant. So I looked at Amy, I was like, oh, I'm going to bid for this one, I'm going I'm to win it. What's my limit for this? She went, £150. <laughs> the bid started at 200 but no, eventually Get I married now, see? Yeah, that's it, saving for a big wedding. Tightening it? the strings. Is it part of your Tuesday Club contract that you've got to mention Amy every week? Do I? My fiance Amy, I know you're listening, I love you. <laughs> Wales. <laughs> She's going to kill me now. No, she won't. No, she won't. I always talk about her mates because I love her so much, you see? Well, good company, the events room, and uh, Adam at Buffoon Media, he works for them as well. I was hosting um, an events room lunch at Morgan's Hotel in Swansea on Friday with Brian Moore, the former England Lions hooker, and Eddie Butler, the voice of Welsh rugby. We've got him coming up later on, but uh, it was interesting, actually, you know, because they work together, commentating on the games, and... He says what he thinks, Brian Moore. He's, he's, he's like, it's like with them too, though. It's like there's that famous one where um, he's screaming, like not like Jiffy was when Shane went to the post against Scotland. I can't remember what game it was for England. It might have been against Wales, the 33 game. 
but he's screaming. He's supposed to be unbiased, right? <laughs> and he's like, no, what are you doing? You, you should have passed it or whatever. <laughs> but, you know, he's an ex-England national himself. So he, same as Jiffy, same as Eddie Butler. He's got, they're going to get involved yeah. emotionally as well. Mate, he got strong views and uh, he didn't hold back, that's for sure. I asked Eddie, I said, do you have to manage him and Jiffy when you're working with them? You know, the three of you. He said, Brian's had nine final warnings. <laughs> <laughs> I like imagine now having done that lunch with him. But uh, yeah, let's talk about the game. Um, how did you feel on Sunday? Apart from the obvious when you had too many beers to drink. Um, do you know what? Look, I always, I think we said in one of the earlier episodes, most of the time I've got to watch back on BBC Guy Play or ITV Play, whatever it was, because I can't really remember the second half. And that's where Wales seem to be playing now, in the second half all the time. Like France, England, they seem to be putting, you know, they put Wales away early, they got their points on the board and I think the referee was really inconsistent in the first half, um, felt like Maro Atoji was a nuisance as he always is in every breakdown, every ruck, he's over the top trying to grab players in and it just felt to me like every time one of our players were trying to turn the ball over, the, the ref didn't come at any time, hands away, hands away or leave it alone and he just, you know, I didn't think that was fair. So Eddie was at it again after the game? Uh, for a period we were playing 13 against 16 I don't think the ref was that bad you know I went over the game obviously for my work and uh, there were if, if for those stats nerds like me out there do you know do you remember Reese Webb came on and made that break from our own 22 and yeah. put Aaron Shingler away remember right well from that time to the time that Dan Bigger scored and kicked the conversion Right, so I think Reese Webb made the break on something like sixty-four minutes, whatever it was. It was eleven minutes and fifteen seconds of clock time until the end of Dan Bigger's conversion of his own try. So there were something like four scrums, five lineouts, five penalties, a yellow card, and a red card. And whereas we had all the pressure in the territory, and we eventually scored through Dan Dan Bigger's try. Eleven minutes of clock time had been eaten up, so we were into like the the seventy fifth minute or seventy sixth minute then, yeah. and we were still two scores behind. So, you know, reset scrums and line outs and penalties, yellow cards. Yes, the clock is stopped now and again, but it it ate into the time, and and it was too little, too late then. Even though we scored, you know, another try with um, Justin Tipperick at the end. Why? Uh, obviously, you know, watching the game, I was following following people on Twitter. I follow all the rugby pundits. A couple of people were. Saying about the the refs, ref in the scrums this weekend. Any insight on that? What what is going wrong with the scrums in the modern day game? Like, I don't think it's changed that much. I mean, the the cadence process of the referees has changed, but there just seems to be too many resets and too much time spent over. It. I've said this on a podcast before, and I don't see why there's a, a guy there's a guy that controls the time up in the stand anyway why you can't just start and stop the clock when it's reset because refs tend to forget they're dealing talking with players and they move in the scrum a bit mm. but the clock is ticking over and then you might it should just be one guy there right well yeah. he, he should know I don't think it's that difficult no press a button stop press yeah. it on, back he's on he's a qualified official anyway otherwise he wouldn't be charged with getting, keeping the time also you know? an, another thing is uh, fourth officials TMO they're having a field day they're mm. getting so much wrong and mm. like you know, we were discussing uh, on Saturday evening after the game, there's so many cameras in there. Mm. You know, obviously, there's been a few instances which have been caught on camera this week, which yeah. I'm sure we'll uh, mention. Manatulagi, red card. Red card. Joe Marler. Red card for you? For, um, do you know what? His first tackle on Dan Bigger with him and Owen Farrell, I think that should have been a red card for him and a yellow card for Owen Farrell. Mm. First, I think it was straight off the start of the game, wasn't it? Mm. They both smashed him. The thing is, with players... 
they they're going in for these tackles and they want to hit they want to hit hard but they're going in with their shoulder and then sort of delaying the arms coming up yeah but if you don't want to be sent off then bring your arms up before you go in to tackle the person yeah yeah so it's all about now trying to stop the offload game and you know when i was we used to play when i was a kid that first thing i got taught about tackling is tackle low mm. take the legs because they can't run but yeah no you've got professional teams and stop the offload game is if you go in on the legs there's always going to be a support runner there that you can just offload the ball to and you know you carry on you might score a try mate it's a red card all day long for me all day long shoulder hits the head don't care any mitigating circumstances doesn't matter you know the officials have a protocol the shoulder there's no arm involved it's hit his head red card a poor George Straight. North as well he's, he's, he's on the table I, I didn't think he'd get up you know in like the, his recent knocks and uh, thank goodness he did a better game George didn't he mm, he did have a better yeah, game he looked for work and I think his confidence grew through the game as well so I tell you one player that is I think growing with every performance uh, every game is Tompkins yeah I think a lot of people were not a lot of people especially Welsh fans because maybe a lot of Welsh fans don't watch you know, the English Premiership or, mm. uh, you know, I haven't got BT Sport or whatever it is, but I think he's come on, he had a, you know, first time he came on, he came on for a HIA, I think it was, replacement. Yeah, turn, turn the over. baller, turn yeah. the ball over. 130 metres carrying, uh, we'll just top carrier again on the weekend. A lovely little sidestep to get around daily for Tipperick's try just in the second half. So He's fast and all. Yeah, he is. He is uh, fast. He runs his weight, that's for sure. But Joe Marla, come on. We've got to talk about it, Kyle. I mean... You sort of, I sense that you like the rugby bands, don't you? You, you? you do like a bit of that. You're a mad taff, you, you're a rugby fanatic, <laughs> and you do like the sort of banter and characters and this, that, and the other. That's just too far, isn't it? I think it is too far. There's a, it's been divided, and there's a lot of people, oh, well, it's just banter, you know, Alwyn Jones had a little laugh. I think Alwyn Jones was just shocked at him then. Because mm. you, ne- you never expect to see someone like that. But then there's a lot of people saying, if you did that in any other workplace, because they're at work, Rugby players are still at work. If you did that any other workplace, you locked up. Yeah, but so, not not only are they at work, they're in front of millions of people exactly, watching. Watch it and kids as well. Yeah. So I can yeah. can see both sides. I can't see everyone knows Joe Marla. He's quite controversial. He says things that you know he thinks are funny, and a lot of people do find him funny. But you know, I don't think there is a time and a place for that. Oh, yeah. There is a time and a place for that, but it isn't on the rugby pitch. I meant sorry. Um, do you watch Scrum Five? I did on watch Scrum Five Sunday night. So there's, there's a guy on there does the stats. He's very good. Well, I only threw a couple of stats in this They should weekend. put him on there for a lot longer than four minutes. Wheels. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kyle, my number one fan. Wheels. Um, but yeah, it was interesting listening to Gwyn Jones because it's obviously live. And, we don't um, pull no punches, man, does he or Gwyn? They sort of know the types of questions coming up. They know that that, that is a topic that's going to come up. He didn't hold back that he egotistical nas- narcissist, he called him. Mm. Right. Uh, well, did you see his tweet? We can't mention what uh, the tweet said. Uh, it wasn't a good response, was no, it? No, it wasn't. But yeah. uh, so, no, some people are saying now, uh, like you know, we were chatting earlier, you mentioned he went, he retired, he's come back. You know, He obviously knows he hasn't got many games there for England. Mm. Has he gone down the road of, oh, I, I'm not going to be playing much for England now, so I'll just have a bit of fun? Like, well, I don't know. He stinks a little bit of he can't help himself. You know, he's mm. built this persona around him. But uh, be interesting to speak to Adam Jones because um, he's big mates with Joe Marler, having worked up in Harlequins with him now. Yeah, yeah. We'll get the bomb uh, on the pod and uh, find out what his take is. But uh, one guy we did have on the pod this week, as I said, last Friday, I uh, hosted a, an events room lunch with Brian Moore and Eddie Butler. And uh, the voice of Welsh Rugby, Eddie, I spoke to him, bear in mind it was pre-game, yep. just about uh, what's it like for him broadcasting the Six Nations and his job. 
Eddie, thanks for joining us on the Tuesday Club. We're at Morgan's Hotel in Swansea, the events room, lunch with Brian Moore. Looking forward to it? Oh, <laughs> as much as you can look forward to anything with Brian, because you have to be braced for anything. <laughs> no, he's, it, great. he's great company. Is that the same when you commentate with him? You've done games with Jiffy and him. I mean, you have to almost be captain of the ship with those two and come between them. Yeah, no, no, no. I, you, you, you and I work a lot together, Sean. So, you know, I sort of conduct the orchestra. But Brian can go off on one and he can just lock his eyes on anywhere bar me and just go off into his world and you don't know what's going to come out next. But he, what, what he, he doesn't take himself too seriously. So if, he, if he's having a right go, it's always with a strange chuckle. <laughs> I just wonder where all the anger does come from because it, it's there, it's there. As long as he keeps it behind closed doors. Now, this will obviously come out post-England-Wales. We're ahead of it. Uh, you've tasted success with the Welsh team in Twickenham. Gave the pass to Adrian Hadley for the score in 1984. I mean, what's the secret to winning there? Um, well, we were we were lucky then. England, England was struggling. We we couldn't win at home, but we we won on the road. It was it was it was really strange. And luckily, England couldn't win anywhere. So, <laughs> and we caught them. We caught them. What we did, and, and I'm, I'm clear in my mind about this, we actually won the line-out. Bob Norse had just had one of those days. Uh, he denied them primary source possession, and he just had one of those days. He could hit this enormous standing jump, and it came good that day. So we, we had plenty of ball. And, uh, and that's it. I mean, the England pack at the moment is going to win ball, and you have to stop them doing anything with it. Because if, if, of all the teams in the world at the moment, if England get you in their vice... You are, you're not getting out of it. So we have, to, we have to front up. We've done it before, but it requires a huge performance from the pack. What do you make of Wayne Pivak's philosophy at the moment? Are you seeing much of it coming out? I mean, have we got to give him time? Because, you know, we had such a brilliant time under Warren Gatlin, Sean Edwards, Rob Holy. It's going to take a bit of time, isn't it? Yeah, A, we didn't win every year under Warren Gatlin. You know, we came fourth a couple of times and everybody, oh, CN, even Warren's got to go. I remember, you know, a couple of early campaigns, but uh, you've got to be patient. We have to be patient. And I think there are enough glimpses of, of what Wayne is trying to do to, to give real cause for optimism. In the games we've lost, there have been times when we've looked absolutely sparkling. We've looked really good. We haven't finished anything yet, so you know there are things to work on, details to work on. But in terms of enterprise, I think we're heading in a really good direction. But you know everything starts up front, um, and the pack's got to just man up. And it, it is this one day. It is England pose a threat up front like no other team. So we've got to be at our very collective best. This is almost like a dress rehearsal for a Q&A later. I hope you're going to go easy on me now, you and Brian. But, um, look, I've asked you this before, just finally, Ed, and you're always very self-deprecating and a huge amount of humility about this. But I, like a lot of our listeners, love what you do in your previews, in your montages, and the words that you come out with. You're an educated man. You're a brilliant broadcaster. Where does it come from? <laughs> well, one thing... I What's never gone away? I, I love, I love being in Wales. I love work. I love the working environment of Wales. You know, I'm not, a, I'm, I'm not the most industrious. I like my space and I like my time. And over the past sort of twenty years, I suppose I found it. You know, I, I live out in the wilds and I just love North Monmouthshire, Monmouthshire in general, Wales. I do. I've, I feel more attached than ever to where I'm from. 
and out of that contentment comes a sort of, you know, I find it easy to to produce words if, if my mind is, is at ease. So, you know, that, I suppose that's as, that's as much as I can offer, really. I mean, the simple truth is, Sean, I don't know. I don't know. Well, whatever it is, keep it going, because we love it. And Kyle, my co-host, is an absolute Wales fan, fanatic. He will love that. Eddie, thanks very much for joining us. Oh, pleasure, Sean. What a man. Oh, he's got a lovely voice, isn't he? It is voice. Do you know what? We, talk, we talked before about, um, not before, in the last episode, I think it was about the BBC and ITV maybe not getting the rights for Six Nations. It'd be a shame. They should, mm. whoever, if they do, if it does go away, they've got to employ him because the build-up, on, especially on the BBC, yeah. when he's, you know, is the language he uses, the words he uses, and he does it all himself. Yeah. Uh, the, the man is just a legend. I've done a lot with it, right? And um, I asked him that question at the end there about, you know, where does it come from, his words, you know, his montages. And he's, he's, he's always sort of poo-pooed it a bit. He just said, oh, I don't know. You know, that wasn't a bad impression. John, I don't know. <laughs> and um, and but, but he went into a bit more detail there, you know, how attached he is now to Wales, how he feels, you know, at one and with with Wales and uh, his wife Sue is 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 big in in she's quite high up in S four C. Okay. And I sat next to her on a plane once and asked her that, and um, you know he, he wouldn't tell you this, but she says that he has a notepad next to the bed, and you know often he would get up and and if something comes to him he just jot it down. But you remember that montage he did about Wales, you know the um, the passes of Wales, the runs for Wales, you know. The fans of Wales, and it was like it was just it just rolled off, mm. and you know he's a very intelligent man, yes, but he, he's obviously you know a very clever man as well, very artistic, yeah. So thanks for that, Ed, legend, one, voice of Wales. One day, Sean, you're going to get a rugby legend personality on the pod, so I can meet them. Uh, nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we will. Well, we've had Richard Hibbard. We did, yeah. That was a brilliant one. We got many more coming up, mate. Don't you worry. Stay patient. It's busy. It's Six Nations time. Fair enough. <laughs> Talking of that, Scotland next week. Yeah, it's going to be a good game. Um, obviously, uh, Scotland. I'm come to Cardiff and won over there for about eight to ten years. Is it maybe? Yeah, eighty years. Eighty. I don't know. No, I don't think so. <laughs> come on, you're the stat man. Um, but no, I think it's going to be a good game. Um, it's always a high-scoring game with, with Scotland and Wales, and. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's something about when Scotland come. I always, I've got quite close, not close roots, no family who are Scottish, but I lived in Glasgow for four years. Mm. I've been filming Outlander up there for the last three years. So I've, Scotland, my second team in Six Nations, you know, I used to have a Scottish jersey. I don't know where it went. I think I might have outgrew it. But um, I don't know, I think it'll be a good game. T- tough one to uh, call, but I think it will be high scoring. Yeah, there's a meeting today, actually, um, about whether the game should go ahead. I think it's been confirmed now, it is. I don't know if it is, man. Yep, it's been confirmed. Six Nations put out a press release. See, I'm, I know more than you. Yeah, I'm, I'm a busy man. The Six Nations did put out a press release earlier on, and it did say that um, France and Ireland is off, and Wales and Scotland will be going ahead. That was from the Six Nations people, president, whoever they are. Well, I, I was thinking the other day, if you're a Scottish fan, you booked your flights, you booked your hotel... You you buy in your kilts, right? Yeah. <laughs> you fill your sparring up with with a bit of whiskey. You're coming down, you know, because they every two years they love coming down to Cardiff, which is a great place for international. 
they come in, game on or off. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm thinking, they're going to come anyway. Even if they played it behind closed doors, they come in anyway. So that means there's a, a load of ca- people in Cardiff congregated. So it defeats the object. Well, you may as well, it may as well go ahead, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, I was, I was talking to my uh, old man the other day about this, when they called the uh, Italy and Ireland game off. I seen a, a statement from uh, Ireland's rugby union and it said basically people who have bought tickets, hold on to them because you might be able to use them if the game is rescheduled. Mm. If not, we'll give you full refunds. Well, what if people don't get them direct from there? What if they get passed down to the lower grassroots rugby clubs, they get gifted out or whatever? Mm. Some of those people, what if they didn't buy, what if they bought their tickets off, you know, Joe Bloggs down the club because he couldn't make it? Mm. How are they going to get their money back or... Don't know. Don't want to get into it. Fair enough. <laughs> I just, just thought I'd ask a question. But it, it's, it should be a good game. You know, I think uh, neither side can win the championship. Um, but they do have a lot to play for, particularly the coaches. Wales don't want to lose four in a row. No. You know, his first Six Nations, Wayne Pivak, it's home. And then we've had the Finn Russell business with uh, Gregor Townsend. Now they're off the back of two wins in a row and playing some good rugby. Yep. You know, it could turn into a bit of a classic, I think. I hope so. Yeah. It was like uh, we were down, uh, we mentioned we were in the Brit on Saturday watching uh, the game. Remember the game where we won in the last three minutes? Halfpenny went over, two, two yellow cards for Scotland, uh, Lee Byrne. And then Shane scores under the sticks. That's it. Well, I was sitting uh, next to one of your mates, Wayne, and um, when they had the first yellow card, I was like, we need another yellow card behind. I guarantee you Wales will win. And we had a red. We had a red. So, But if it was a yellow card, I think we would have won. <laughs> But as I say, that 11 minutes, you know, of it took that long to score and get the cards just head into the clock too much. But uh, prediction? I'm going to go Wales 28, Scotland 24. Uh, yeah, humdinger. I think um, so. Hope so. You going? I am going. Can't wait. Yeah, me too. Working, actually. All right. Yeah, it should be a long day. I'm just going to go and enjoy myself, man. Now, talking of working, um, I mentioned Scrum 5 on Sunday. It was a long day for me going through the game and... Uh, getting the, the clips together. It does take a long, long time, actually. Um, but having said that, you know, do work with great people. And uh, I caught up with the presenter, Ross Harris, because I thought it'd be interesting not only to talk about some of the incidents, but what it's like preparing for a programme like Scrum 5 that goes out live on the day after, you know, an England-Wales game where Wales have lost. Uh, and, of course, it'd be remiss of us not to mention the extremely sad news that we lost a good friend of ours, uh, Matthew J. Watkins, Last Saturday morning, uh, lost his battle against cancer. Uh, it was devastating news on the Saturday. It made it a very sombre day for a lot of people, myself included, and then Sunday show. But um, anyway, I spoke to Ross Harris, the presenter, about um, his day at Scrum 5. Ross, we're in uh, Scrum 5 studios. We've just done Scrum 5 Six Nations special. And a unique thing happened today, mate, because you've taken upon yourself to be, you know the comedian who likes to call me the housewife's favourite and, and introduce him to the audience every week. You didn't do it today. And you're upset about that, aren't you? I'm actually really relieved. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, ongoing thing this, isn't it, Sean? And, and you do like to to protest and pretend that you don't like it. You you absolutely love it. And I've had other people tell me this. Your friends from Carmarthen and Portalbert and all down there. So don't try and come on here and play the innocent. Uh, and yeah, I, I just like to keep keep you guessing. So today I gave you a fairly prosaic, dare I say, boring intro. <laughs> Much appreciated. But there are good things to come out of this because um, you've been mistaken for me a lot recently. <laughs> Yeah, which I'm absolutely furious about. 
by virtue of the fact I'm at least 15 years younger than you. Um, potentially more, I don't know. I haven't seen your birth certificate. But, uh, you know, I, I, I'll be generous enough to say that you're, you're a good-looking fella. Um, so it's not like being mistaken for Noel Edmonds, which my old <laughs> bandmates used to, used to try and compare me to. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'll take it, if not for the age thing. A difficult show today because uh, always difficult in defeat for Wales, but uh, we had the real sad loss of our friend Matthew J. Watkins, tragically, Saturday morning. Um, so we had to cover that, obviously. And then incidents in the game, the Joe Marler thing, and then the red card for Tuolagi. But um, just tell us what it's like behind the scenes for you in the prep, because you're here all day on the Sunday in, in prepping for things like that. Yeah, it was a really interesting show today. Very different running order to what we're used to. Like you say, on these international games, often the, the match chat provides the bulk. You know, like you'll tear up brilliantly with your uh, your analysis pieces and that kind of triggers the, the main chat then. And that, as you know, that can go off on all kinds of tangents. You never quite know. You know, you'll, you'll sort of prep a few questions and a few areas you want to talk about, but you kind of, live TV is organic, isn't it? You let it follow its own path. But yeah, today, as you say, there were two very specific incidents in the Tulangi red cards and the Marla, whatever we're going to call it, um, ball gates, the, the tampering. Um, but neither of those things had an effect on the outcome. And often that's our gauge, isn't it? Whether is it worth going into detail about something that ultimately was immaterial to the result? But I think both of those things, you know, that the Tulangi tackle because of the high tackle framework and all those conversations we had over the World Cup about high tackles. I think that was a pertinent thing to discuss. And of course, Eddie Jones was as bullish as we've ever seen him in, in the post-match presser, um, essentially calling out the referee, calling him Wales' 16th player, um, referring to the decision as rubbish. So I think we had a duty to to look at that. And, and of course, the Joe Marler incident. It, I can't remember something in recent times that is polarised opinions so much and as we know there's not much nuance on Twitter you know you're either absolutely right or <laughs> absolutely wrong and there seems to be these two camps you know people saying that it's a bit of harmless fun and other people saying it's tantamount to sexual assault um, so as you know being on the BBC we have to straddle a line to a certain degree you know but I think all of us were pretty much in agreement today you can't condone that you can't trivialise it you know it was pretty unacceptable um, and that conversation, I think, reflected that, you know. So, yeah, those two incidents took up a lot of time today. And then, of course, as you say, the the mood of the whole weekend was coloured by, you know, the tragic news we all got early hours of Saturday morning that Matthew J. Watkins had had gone and, you know, sort of former Wales player. Um, it just, it's a cliche, but it puts everything into perspective, doesn't it? No, 100%, 100%. Now, you're not just a TV presenter. You host lots of events, but you're an author as well. You had a couple of books out. You wrote Adam Jones's autobiography, and you've had a, a real interesting book out of late that you've been promoting. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's called Behind the Dragon, um, and it's, it's an oral history of Welsh rugby from the very inception of the, the Welsh Rugby Union. Um, and the, the idea behind it was to try and make it conversational rather than a lot of history books can be fairly dry um so we wanted to sort of bring the the words off the page a little bit and so we decided to do it as an oral history so it involved loads of first-hand interviews um with players coaches past and present 
um, because we went all the way back to the 1800s. Obviously, a lot of it was done from archive research as well. Um, but it was a, a fantastic thing to do, and you know, it was a lot of hard work and a lot of graft. But you know, there were times when I'd be sat in Phil Bennett's living room, you know, in Swiss Valley in Slenesley with his wife Pat bringing us sandwiches and cups of tea and stuff and just listening to Phil in his armchair like an episode of Jack and Ori with his lovely West Walian brogue just telling the most amazing stories and he's you know you know what he's like he's such a good raconteur and I'd be sitting there thinking this is technically work but I could I could sit here all day and listen to this but you're also a failed guitarist You are charming, aren't you, Holly? Um, which coming from you, that's quite rich because I've seen you. I've seen you with your guitar. With my cheat G. <laughs> Just say limited. This is the word that springs to mind. Um, but uh, bye, bye, Sarah. There goes Sarah Elgan with a young boy, Freddie. Um, yeah, where was I? Failed guitarist. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. It, it was my ambition for some time, misguided ambition. I was going to be like the Welsh Jimi Hendrix. That's what I thought. Um, growing up obsessed with a guitar. Um, all I wanted to do in my life, which basically ended up with me bumming around for most of my 20s, uh, living in and out of a transit van, going back, to, back and forth to London on weeknights playing gigs, um, growing questionable beards, and I arguably still got one of those, um, very long hair, flares, as Richie Reese likes to point out. I was uh, quite fond of the old flared gene. Um, and yeah, it, it, for about 10 years, I, I kind of <laughs> harbored this dream that it would that one day come true and it never did. You know, we, we had, we had some fun along the way. We, we won the band of Britain competition and played a, a headline festival in London on the South bank and got, got very close to a record deal. And I know a lot of people say that, but genuinely we, we, you know, we had lawyers working for us in London, thrashing out this deal for us. Um, and it just didn't come to pass because as you know. The record industry is, you know, it's not set up to make musicians rich. It's set up to make the labels rich. And the contract we were offered was was so kind of stacked against us in terms of future earnings. I won't bore you with the details. But that was almost like a watershed moment for us. I think when we realized we were within touching distance of this happening, we sort of, uh, and there's Gwyn Jones heckling, heckling in the background, reprobate. Um it was almost like this is it. We've done it. We've, we, we're over the threshold. You know, we're gonna we're gonna be musicians. This is gonna be our career, our livelihood. And then we had about six months of legal wrangling, and it just kind of crushed our spirits to the point we thought mm. we only did this to have fun and enjoy each other's company and write songs and and play gigs and stuff. And it had become like a tedious chore. And that so, like I say, it was the watershed in the sense that it was almost the point where we were gonna make it. But it actually was the point. That killed it all off. <laughs> and what was the name of the band? The Jan Watkins Band. The Jam. The, no, the Jan. The Jan Watkins yeah. Band. And we can find bits of this. Yeah, you might be able to. We, we, we was on the cusp of MySpace, you know, which shows my age now. Um, so our internet presence isn't quite as, as widespread as it might have been. But I think there's a few embarrassing things knocking about. <laughs>
yeah, I, I, I can probably reveal as well the uh, the origin of the name because um, our other guitar player in the band, a guy called Shaba, or Paul Redding, as he was known by his mother and father, um, he uh, had a landlady who he didn't get on with at all. And um, so this is our sound man come to collect our gear, which I'm hoarding. There you go, it's all there. Thank you very much. Um, so, yeah, Paul was having this ongoing battle with his landlady. She was trying to evict him. She was trying to charge him um, for or not pay him his deposit and this kind of stuff. All very kind of low-level, tedious stuff. But every time he turned up for rehearsal, he'd be tamping because he had another fight, another row with his landlady. And she was called Jan Watkins. Mm-hmm. And we, had, we didn't have a name at this point because we were still kind of woodshedding, you know, and working up some songs. And one of the boys suggested we just call it the Jan Watkins Band purely <laughs> to piss him off. And he was he was furious at even the idea of it. So we were like, boys, we've got to, we've got to. So we, we got a few gigs as the Jan Watkins band, but we thought, it, you know, it'll pass. It'll pass. But then, of course, you get to a situation where, you know, promoters remember you and reckon you get bookings on the back of previous bookings and stuff. So it just stuck. And we all hated it. it it's a terrible name. It's an absolutely terrible name. And like you just said, people either thought it was the Jam Watkins Band, which just positioned us as some sort of terrible, long-haired, Grateful Dead tribute act, or they thought it was the Jan Watkins Band, which was probably even worse, like some, you know, some sort of Danish <laughs> blues covers band. So, yeah, I mean, th- thinking, about, thinking out loud now, that's probably why we failed more than anything. We had the worst name in the history of, of rock and roll. Well, I can't let you go, Ross, uh, on the Tuesday Club without... Because I know Kyle is just listening to this thinking, you've got to ask him, got to ask him. We do a lot of films and TV. We get some showbiz people on as well. And your favourite film? My favourite film is probably a, fil- a Richard Linklater film called Dazed and Confused. Have you ever heard of that? Surprisingly, no. <laughs> it's not as obscure as, as you, you think a lot of stuff I watch and listen to is. Um it's, I bet Kyle would have heard of this. It's set in the 70s. It was made in about 94, I think. And it's about the last day of high school in an American high school, but everything's so relatable. You know, there's a lot of Americanisms there, the kind of rituals they have and how, like, the sophomore kids bully the freshmen and everything. But anyone who's been to a, a high school in this country can relate to it to it all and it's just so brilliantly observed brilliantly scripted very very funny and it's got a, an awesome soundtrack there's, I'm a big Leonard Skinner fan and there's a Leonard Skinner track called Tuesday's Gone and that's that's what they use for the kind of last scene when all the beer's been drunk going off to different colleges and it's quite poignant and emotional but it just Richard Linklater is one of those directors who just seems to tap into that sort of really evocative period of entering adulthood there's another one he did um, which is set in the 80s which is kind of like a spiritual sequel and he's done like other stuff Um, was it 
Boyhood. Did we ever see Boyhood? Which is another one on a similar theme, you know, of of that sort of journey without sounding too pretentious into adulthood and all the emotional stuff that goes along with it. So that's probably the film I've watched more than any other and could probably quote from start to finish without too much trouble. Tuesday's gone on the Tuesday Club. Fantastic. And um, last but not least, who would play Ross Harris in the film? Sean Holly. <laughs> Wouldn't be Kyle Reese, would it? <laughs> no, I think I think Kyle's carrying a little bit more timber than myself. He's a good-looking fellow, though. So he'll tell you. Yeah, as he did when I drove him home on Friday night in his half-cut state from a, an event that we both attended. And, and he actually tried to drag me into your local. The Brit. The Brit, in yeah. Gavin, um, uh, on, on the pretense that you were going to be in there. But I sort of peered through the windows and it just looked like a, a lot of drunkards mate thanks for joining us on the Tuesday Club Ross Harris presenter extraordinaire the Tuesday Club with Sean and Kyle you're listening to Sean and Kyle on the Tuesday Club you can follow us on Twitter at Tuesday Club underscore and on Instagram Tuesday Club podcast Ross Harris bit of a character and we have a bit of banter, me and him. <laughs> we work together for a while, haven't you? Yeah, he's a good fella, actually. You know, he's a bit, um, he's a bit bohemian. Ross is. He's a bit of a hippie, like you know. Can, we, can we just clear one thing up, though? Um, Ross Harris or Harris? Harris, definitely. Yeah, I've been calling him Ross Harris since well, ever since I seen him on the TV. Yeah, or lucky for him, Sean Holly, <laughs> as he's now being mistaken for. <laughs> he's gutted. Um, get in, yeah. I was uh, I was at an event. I was at the local Builders Awards on uh, Friday night. Just of course gone. you were. Of course you were. Because uh, you know, I'm the best concrete mixer in the land. <laughs> um, no, my dad. My dad's company, Premier Builders, Port Albert Limited. Working plug. on the site from morning to night. That's living all right. <laughs> I prefer men at work, mate, to be honest. <laughs> uh, but no, we went to the uh, the bu- local builders' worlds. They happen every year around the Six Nations. Um, always on a Friday night, which sets the weekend up nice because mm. you're out on the pop on a Friday, out on the pop on a Saturday, and then you know, that's why it was so bad Sunday. But anyway, Ross was there presenting, and um, he was good. Do you know what? He was a good laugh. Um, he played this amazing clip of when he uh, did that famous interview with Sean Edwards. And oh, yeah. Ross was asking him some, like, you know, decent questions, and then he was getting answers like, no, just just that there was. We were waiting for someone else, and that was it. And he it was, was asking most, him about his religious beliefs. Wasn't that he? was the last question, right? But you know, it was funny. his answer. I think Sean Edwards' answer was, um, "I have to go to church because otherwise my mother would batter me." <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but no, he was great, and it's nice to hear. You know, he's quite an intellectual man, isn't he, Ross? Eh? Oh, Talking he is, about the yeah. film, the way he was speaking about it. Yeah, you know. What you see on the TV, Ross, the rugby mad, you know, quality presenter, very polished, but he's um, he's he's into sort of things that not normal people. Are into. <laughs> the books he reads, the music he listens to, I love taking the mick out of him about his uh, failed band career. But, but I've um, see, I've seen that film, Dazed and Confused, man. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good film, and yeah. he is right. The music in it is brilliant. Yeah, well, we just put a bit in, didn't we? No, it's basically it's a film about these, like he said, the kids are the last day, and you know, and they they they're having this party, but it gets not shut down. It gets stopped before it even happens. So they find this like football field, I think, or somewhere. Yeah, and it's it is a brilliant. It's like a coming of age type of film, but it was it was nineteen ninety three. Mm. And it was a brilliant, brilliant uh, film. Ross is the type of bloke, right, where you, um, uh, you, 
he's probably got the old record player, you know, and the vinyls with the 33s from uh, bands you just would never, ever have heard of. They didn't even play Back on. alley bands. Yeah, oh, unbelievable. And you, you look at his Twitter feed, if he's not tweeting about rugby, he's tweeting about obscure bands and uh, the riffs that um, Kyle <laughs> Reese played in the... Um, you know. And honestly, if, you, if you're doing like Ulster against Dragons away and Ross is presenting, I'm, I'm co-commentator or pundit or whatever... And you've got time in the afternoon to go for a cup of tea or a sandwich. You know, most of us go to a reputable coffee shop and have a, you know, maybe a smoked salmon sandwich or a salad or an, and a cup of tea. No, Ross finds somewhere and you end up having like pomegranate and nettle tea with um, <laughs> a, a pumpkin seed and um, squash bun. You know, that, that's the sort of guy Ross is, but he's, he's, he's great. It's like that on set as well, mate. I'm not naming any names, but some of the actors that I work with in Oakland, they'll come over, as they do, anyone want a coffee in this? And I'll get, you hear people shouting, and I think, oh, lemon and ginger, rhubarb and custard. <laughs> no, it's not custard, <laughs> but I couldn't think of anything else. I'm just, just have a black coffee, like, keeps yeah. you away, keeps you going. Well, at least they don't, mate. But uh, thanks to Ross Harris for coming on. Let's hope we can get him on properly soon. Yeah, cheese ball, as I call him. Oh, he did, uh, he is a very nice guy. He did drop me home on Friday night after the Builders Awards. Oh, did he? Yeah, I lied and told him you were in the pub. <laughs> so I think that's the only reason he took me. <laughs> but uh, no, top man, top man. Yeah, good. Now, mentioned earlier that um, extremely sad news on the weekend that we lost um, Matthew J. Watkins after his fight against cancer. Guy I knew really well. Um, a guy you did um, a, a bike ride for, Belinda where Matthew um, entered before his passing. And uh, our condolences at the Tuesday Club go out to all his family and friends. Devastating news, Kyle, on Saturday. I was totally shocked. Uh, he's been in a long fight and he's battled it really, really well for so long. But in the end, it just got uh, too much. Um, I, I was absolutely devastated on Saturday. Still am. Still can't believe it, really. He's 41 years old and he, he leaves a wife and two young boys. Just goes to show, mate, that um, you got to enjoy it while you can, eh? That's, that's the thing. A lot of people now over the weekend, before this, it was all about Wales in England. and mm. But it puts things into perspective, really. Um, the man was an absolute hero to me. Like, uh, I, I only knew him a short couple of years. And uh, like you said, we did the, the bike ride together. And I really struggled on that bike ride because it was a hard slog. Yeah. And uh, I remember one day... Um, and obviously I've met him previously before that a couple of times on golf days and learned of his illness and just to see him like there were days where we were cycling and I was really really struggling and he would fly past me the yeah. man was an absolute animal and I remember every day him and a group of his close mates were on the ride and uh, we called it the buggy bus because they went around in like um, two lines and it was like loads of wheels like a big bus and they had a radio blasting they'd always know when they were coming up behind you because you'd start hearing music and it'd slowly go past you and then they'd be gone. But one day I was really struggling and we were on this really long straight and um, I, heard the, I heard the music come in, so it picked me up a little bit. He stayed behind for about two or three hours, but just with me on my own, because yeah. I'd been cycling on my own for a long time. And he stayed with me and we chatted and we got to know each other a bit. And he, he was an absolute amazing, amazing person. When he finished playing, uh, came down to the Ospreys, he wanted to be a coach. Uh, there was no, there was no position at the time, but I, 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 you know, I said, you know, come along and get some experience, and you know, do some back stuff with me, and uh, and it was great working with him through that time. We stayed friends then, and um, yeah, did did a lot of Belinda stuff with him, and played a lot of golf with him. He's a good golfer, and as you say, just a genuinely lovely, lovely fella, thoughtful fella. 
you know, he was an athlete, he was a strong man, clearly a very brave, brave man. Yep. He, he'll be sorely missed in many, many ways, but no, no none much, no more so than his family. Um, so, you know, we, we wish them our sincere condolences and, yep, um, yep. you know, MJ, you're a legend. So that's the end of another episode of the Tuesday Club and uh, big thanks to Eddie Butler and to Ross Harris for coming on this week. Quite a bit of rugby this week, Kyle. Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it was quite a bit of rugby played. Yeah, well, it's, it is Six Nations, but um, yeah, we needed to discuss that. Now, next week, we got. I'm really excited about next week. I'm excited every week, and I, I know you are, but uh, we've got an amazing, amazing guest on next week. We have Matthew Rees, Hollywood actor, West End legend. I can't believe it myself, mate. Yeah, he's been in films with Anthony Hopkins, Meryl Streep, Tom Hanks. Done a couple of films with Tom Hanks. Yeah, can't wait. It's going to be an amazing episode. So don't forget to tune in next week where we will be speaking to him for the full hour. Yeah, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TuesdayClub underscore and Instagram, TuesdayClubPodcast and rate, like, review when you listen to The Tuesday Club. The Tuesday Club is available to listen to on Spotify and iTunes.